each week when we come in here, we worship, we hear a message, maybe we spend time in prayer, and all of it is very important, and it's very important that we do that, but what's more important is what you do with what you hear or what you experience. We can hear a message and be inspired, and after lunch, we forgot all about our inspiration. I go back and listen to these messages to kind of tweak myself and critique myself and, and to actually apply what I taught you all, and I, I listen to them on the way home, and by Tuesday, I'm like, hey, I'm already moving on to the next week. How many of you get to a point where you've kind of forgotten what happened last week? Oh, man, I know it, I know it. So what happens is we come and we hear these messages, we're inspired, hopefully, and then we go out about and do our own thing. But I want to tell you this morning that it's the most important part of what we do is not just hearing a message, it's what you do with what you hear, okay? All right, so today is one of those messages that will absolutely mean nothing to you if you don't do what we talk about. If you just hear it, you say amen, you shake your head, you kind of nod up and down, hey, you're involved, I appreciate that, but it will do you of no value if you don't apply it this week and actually practice what we're going to talk about because we are going to talk about the word worry. Say worry. I believe that this is a skill that many of you have become professionals at. Yeah, if, if there was something in your life that you can be proud of, you can be proud of that you have mastered how to worry. Oh, man, I think some of you might have a, a PhD in worry. You, 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 you've been so good at it, you've done it so many times. For some of you, it's a spiritual gift. Anybody have a spiritual gift of worriness? Yeah, okay, um, this isn't even a skill that you purposefully set yourself out to be great at. It just happens. Life just happens, and it's a skill that you develop. And what I want to present to you today is there is a way to deal with worry, or another word is anxiety, and I want to help you master how not to worry. How many of you are worried in the last 24 hours? Don't even act so spiritual. Yeah. How many of you are worried this morning? How many of you are worried about what you were putting on this morning to come to church? How many of you are worried about getting late to come to church? Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't even act like you're bigger and better than that. It is a part of life. We deal with it, but so many times we just try to cope with it instead of actually dealing with it. There's a little bit of a hum in this thing. Uh, psst, just a little bit, I'm hearing. Uh, when I was 14 years old, my parents had a church that had about nine acres um, maybe like uh, maybe nine acres all together, but there's a lot of grass, like nine acres of grass. And each week, my mom or dad, they would drop me off at the church, and I would mow the grass in this big, huge field. But back then, they gave me this 28-inch uh, Murray riding mower that it took 10 hours to mow most of the field. Yeah. And they would drop me off, and they would just basically leave me some Gatorade and say, hey, if you need us, we'll be back later and do your thing. They gave me a key to the building, which was nice, so I'd go in and go to the bathroom if I needed to, but that was about it. And I would go out there and mow and, and, and do my thing, and one of these fields was behind one of the buildings on the property, and it was just a long, open field, like kind of like a football field. And me being somewhat... Um, I don't know what the right word is. I'm just going to say, I like my line straight. 
So whenever you mow, you got to have straight lines. And so I would do my best to mow that big field with straight lines. And then when you get to the end, they didn't have the ones that turned. So you have to like do a big circle and come back out around. And then you missed all that grass in the middle and that bothers you. So you're, you go back and try to get the spot. Then you come back and you try to get another straight line going back up to the front of the building. Well, doing this week in and week out for years and years and years, I, I, I started to develop some patterns. I developed some habits. I would get going, and, and I don't know if you're like this or not. Maybe you are. Hopefully you are, because I don't want to be alone up here doing this, but I'm, I'm mowing the yard this way. And again, I'm like 14, so give me some 14-year-old credentials here. I'm 14, going this way, and the road that was the main road was back behind us. The church was back behind me, and I'm going this way. And then when I would be going out there, all of a sudden, my mind would say, what if there's something behind that tree over there? And I'd, I'd look, and I'd be just mowing, and okay, I'm just going, you, you know, you, just got, you think you hear something, you think you see something, you're like, okay, well, all right. So you keep going, and then you think, okay, if they're not behind that tree, maybe they went and moved up behind that tree. And you go, and then you turn around this way, and then all of a sudden you're going back this way, and you're like, they're going around this way. And then you begin to play scenarios in your head of what might possibly happen. And on some of those scenarios, I died. And so what I have to do is go back through, and I would sit out there and practice drills. So I'd be riding on my mower, doing my thing. Actually, it's more like going really, really slow. Because you remember those old mowers? and just really slow, go really slow, okay, so there's somebody there, I would jump off the mower, I would take a dive, go to the ground, come over this way, and just pretend if they came over this way, they were stabbing me this way, I would run around the corner and go this way. Anybody else ever do anything like that? Maybe to not that extreme, but okay, okay. Well, I would go and I would create all these scenarios in my head, and then I would even get to the point of where, uh, to get to where I was at, you had to go through a very large parking lot, jump a curb, and I would think, well, what if a car was going to run me over from the back whenever I'm not paying attention? Worried. I allow, but it didn't start off that way. The more I got familiar with mowing and doing my thing, the more my mind would begin to wander and take me to places that I should never, ever have gone. Fast forward, I'm 18, and um, one of dad's staff members said, hey, they've been mowing this yard for like 10 years, and I think it's time to give them an upgraded lawnmower, like, this is pathetic. It takes them all day just to mow. Then the next day they come out and they have to weed eat and all this good stuff. And so he says, let's do this. I've been whining to dad for like 10 years. He didn't listen to me. He didn't say, no, he, he thought it was great. Hey, you go out there and mow, do your thing, do it all day long. I'm like, no, we need a bigger mower. No, but one of his staff members come to him and say, hey, I think this is child abuse labor laws. So I think you might need to go get a different. So he goes, and dad gets us the biggest John Deere, that was right when those zero-turn mowers were coming out. Like, we had one of the first ones, and it was this big, huge mower. And you could get on that sucker, and those things were fast. I mean, you could push those things forward, and a 10-hour yard, now I can get it done in two hours. But this new lawnmower brought about a whole new set of worries because this one was so fast, and it could turn so sharp, we had a big pond that we had to mow around. And so now my worry went from there's a guy going to jump behind the tree and kill me to I'm going to drive the mower into the pond. 
And many times, mom or dad would pull into the driveway of the church and find our truck hooked to the mower that we had taken to the pond. <laughs> because you know when you get close to it, and it's so quicky, quicky, quicky when you turn, you would get down and just, and those back tires just zoop, and you just slide right down in there, and we'd get stuck in the pond again. Dad would pull up and say, there the boys are again. They're stuck in the pond. There was a whole new set of worries that came when I got a whole new piece of equipment. So what I'm trying to get to is whenever you go through life, worries are a part of it, and they just change with the way that life goes. Fast forward, I go to college. I start worrying about my grades. Didn't worry about it a whole lot because I failed out three years in a row. I got kicked out of college. Couldn't even make it into community college. <laughs> failed out all my classes. But then I worried about how am I going to get back into class? How, I, I got to get back into school. And if you take away the first three years of my college, I graduate with a 3.8 in my master's. But my first three years was terrible. I began to worry, and I worried, and I worried. At 14, I worried about getting killed on a lawnmower. <laughs> At 18, I worried about driving the mower off into the pond because Dad told me it was a really expensive mower, and I didn't have any money to be able to afford to fix it if something happened. At 20, I start worrying about college and grades. At 30, whatever age I got married, 25, I start worried about marriage. And then you had kids, you start worrying about kids, and you start worrying about your career, and you start worrying, I guess that's backwards. You probably worry about your kids before you get married, and all, but you get the drift of it. You start worrying about all these things, and worry doesn't stop the older you get. Just the opportunity for what you worry about changes. Are you, are you following me? Then just for kicks and giggles, we add on holiday worry. We worry about Christmas not getting the right kind of presents for the family members, or maybe we can't afford the presents that our kids want, or, or maybe it's you know your cousin's going to be there. You don't like your cousin. You don't want to see your cousin, but you know he's going to be there, and so you worry about what that's going to look like. And they say between... Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, 72% of people travel somewhere. Out of that group of people, 64% say that we have greater anxiety around uh, seeing family members than we do dealing with our work-related items. We are a people who worry. And then you begin to worry about when you travel, oh, it happened to me just this morning, Adrienne, as we were pulling out of the driveway. Did we let Maggie back in the house? We let her out to go to the bathroom, but did we let her back in? Didn't you begin to worry about the family member that you're going to go see, and you know that they have all the latest and greatest gadgets, and you're still carrying around a Motorola flip phone? And you worry about what their image of that's going to be. You see, worry is just all around us. And this is why you become professional at it. It's not because you set out to be good at it. It's just there's so many opportunities to learn how to worry. It's something that we say, oh, man, and we just have to deal with it. Or maybe um, if you're like Adrienne, since she's not in here, I can say this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, she came to me and she said, I have this bump on my leg. I think I need to get checked out. I'm like, well, where did the bump come from? She's like, I don't know, but it's, it, I don't think it's good. Okay, um, okay, uh, you are getting older, so things happen, so okay, let's, let's go look about getting something taken care of. 
And then just a few minutes later, Abigail walks in and says, that's a funny bruise you got from hitting that table yesterday, wasn't it? And she was like, oh, yeah, that's what that was. I hit the table. She had already gone to the doctor 15 times in her head by the time Abigail brought the revelation that that was just a bruise from the kitchen table. Worry has a way of taking us to places that we don't need to go. Worry has a way, it almost brings a fear in us of why, what, how, like, how, how is this all going to work out? And the truth of the matter is that 90% of positivity could be going on in your life and 10% negative. And where are you going to focus your attention? On the 10% negative, on the worrisome side. So the question that... I want to ask you this morning is, how do you deal with anxiety or worry that cripples your mind into thinking things and, and going to places that it should not go? I was in a car with a gentleman on Thursday, and the kid is studying to be a psychology major. He told me, and I quote, there are a lot of screwed up people out there. <laughs> I just laugh like I hadn't already discovered that one on my own, you know. And I heard it read from a, a major psychiatric journal. When it comes to dealing with anxiety, our goal as psychiatrists is not to dismiss anxiety, but put a healthy, manageable uh, part of our lives. In other words, the top psychiatrist in the world came to the conclusion, you will forever be crippled by anxiety, just get used to it. You need to learn to do uh, uh, you need to learn how to manage it better. This is the best they can come up with. You've got to be kidding me. The best that they can come up with is just learn how to deal with it. It's going to be a part of your lives. I've got news for you. There is a solution that you do not have to worry about having worry. That Jesus has a solution that the anxiety that takes you to places that you were never created to go will be able to prevent you from getting there. I want to take you, I want to take your spiritual gift of worry out of you today. For the next 10 minutes, I want you to run as far as you can with what we're going to talk about, what I said at the beginning of the message. You can hear it, but if you don't do it, it won't do any value. It's time for you to do it. You say, Pastor, how many times do I need to do this? However many times it takes. For some of you, maybe 10, some of you, maybe 10,000. Doesn't matter. You just need to do it. It's time we break that cycle of worry. Do you know why we worry? We don't have the answer. When you have the answer for something, you don't feel the need to worry about something. If the teacher comes up to you before the test and gives you all the answers to the test, doesn't your level of worry drop down? Why? Because you've got the answers. You've got what you need. Whenever you have the answer, you don't have to worry. So let's get spiritual, and let's look at what Philippians tells us in chapter 4 of part 2 of verse 6 through 8 of what we started last week as Kern reads this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When you think about Paul, Paul had just had enemies that vowed not to eat or sleep until he was dead. I don't know about you, but I think I might get worried. This is what happens that just a little bit before this text, Paul was preaching in this town. He gets beat up, thrown out of town, left for dead, and you know what he does? He goes back into that town and starts preaching again. He wasn't worried about what was going on around him. How did he get to a place where worried or worriness was not a part of his life? How do you get to a place where you no longer have to factor worry into your life? You have to understand what opposes worry. What is the opposite of worry? The answer is, you ready for this? Trust. Wherever you put your trust will show you what you worry in. When we worry, we put ourselves into the equation. When we trust, we put Jesus into the equation. Paul trusted Jesus to the point that no matter what happened to him or around him, he was not going to lose his hope of not putting his hope and his trust in Jesus. When we look at the text, the, the actual word there is anxiety. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Anxiety isn't an emotion. Trick question, but hopefully you know the answer. Is joy an emotion? <laughs> you guys didn't say it because you weren't sure. Is joy an emotion? Joy is a choice. Happiness is an emotion. So whenever you look at this, joy is a state of being. Happiness is just an emotion. Happiness is a feeling, joy is a choice. Worry or anxiety is a feeling. Trust is a choice. Do you remember what we talked about three weeks ago where uh, happiness comes from? Luck. You are trying to be happy to create an emotion when joy is a choice that you make. So if you have anxiety and worry in your life, that is an emotion that you're choosing to walk in. Oh, wait a minute. You're choosing to walk in it. So it's a choice that you have to consciously make to not let worry be a part of your life. But how do we come to a place where we no longer worry. I don't know about you, but if you cut out all the worry of life, don't you think it would be a lot better? Get back some time of your day. How many of you ever thought something, you had a thought, and it was a thought that happened like 10, 15 years ago, and you start reliving what that was, and you make it up all over again, and you start reliving it, that's worry? Wouldn't that get so much more of your time back if you didn't worry about all that nonsense? I don't know about you, but I think I'd be a lot better person if I could just overcome worry. 
Because when I overcome worry, it changes who I am. It changes how I think. It changes what I do. It changes what I say. It changes where I go. It changes how I do things. Anxiety is emotion. Trust is a choice. I felt like buying something really expensive, but my bank account said no. My feelings will lead me astray. My trust says no. Shannon brought over some, what was that thing you made on Wednesday night? The Sopapilla cheesecake. My feelings wanted three plates of it. That wasn't smart. My feelings will lead me astray any time and every time I allow them to become the ruler over me. Feelings will lead you astray. So what do you do? You make the choice. I felt like worrying. Is that the right response? No, because I'm allowing a feeling to dictate my actions. So the choice is I trust God in this situation. All right. Let's look at, um, let's look at a few things here. We do not follow our feelings. We follow our faith. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Jeremiah 17, trust in the Lord whose confidence is in him. Psalms 28, the Lord is my strength and in my shield, and I put my trust in him. Psalms 37, trust in the Lord and do good. Psalms 56, in God I trust and I will not worry. Where am I putting my trust? If worry is a feeling and trust is a choice, how do we overcome the emotion that what we call worry? Three steps to overcome anxiety based off the text that we just read. Number one, write it down. It'll be on the screens behind us. How do we overcome anxiety? Number one, be prayerful. The Bible says in verse six, six, everything in prayer and supplication. The first line of defense is coming to deal with the emotions of life is to running to Jesus in prayer and inviting him into the situation. Paul tells us to run to Jesus first. So whenever you're going through something, I want to encourage you this week, pray about whatever it is that you're worrying about. As a side note, praying about it is not complaining about it. You don't keep reliving the situation over and over in your head and at the end of it say, in Jesus' name, like you pray. No, you say, God, I'm giving this, whatever it may be that you're worried about, I'm giving this to you and I'm asking you to take complete control of my mind in this situation or whatever the situation looks like. You invite Jesus into that problem and don't take it back from him. Number two, the second step to deal with anxiety is be thankful. Be thankful. Verse 6, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul is teaching us, do the opposite of what you feel. If you feel like you're down in the dumps, do the opposite. Start being thankful for it. If you feel like something's not right, do the opposite. Start thanking the Lord for something good. If you start changing the way you think about something, you'll change the outcome of the situation because it changes you. Uh, we'll, go, we'll go down a different direction. 
Every single one of you can find something to be thankful for. If you can't, you're in the wrong because you're here. That's reason enough to be thankful. You woke up this morning. That's reason enough to be thankful. Now, if you're living because of byproduct of your bad decisions, get up, get over it, deal with it, and move on. Choose to be thankful. Don't let the bad decisions of what you chose to make affect every facet of your life. Whenever worry comes, that's a bad decision you chose to make. Don't let that bad decision affect everything else. Let's look at the final step. I'm skipping over a lot because of time. Kern, as you're yawning, reread um, verse 8 before we do this last one. Verse 8. Finally, it's brothers. the number 8. I found it. Okay. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Step three to overcome anxiety, write this down, think right thoughts. Paul gives us a three-step plan of how to deal with worry. You be prayerful, you become thankful, and you think right thoughts. All thoughts in your outline that come to you did not necessarily come from you. There is a spiritual battle that you are facing. Satan is trying to do everything he can to take your mind off truth and put your mind in a position of doubt, to put your mind in the position of worry. Be careful what thoughts you listen to. Be careful what thoughts you listen to. Paul shows us when anxiety tries to come knocking on your door, think on these eight Things, and those are in the text in verse 8. If all you think about is negative, don't be surprised when negative comes to your life. If all you think about is problems, don't be surprised when problems come to your life. Whatever you think about is what will come to pass. In my business, I don't wake up in the day and say, oh, God, I just hope that you're going to do something in me. No, God, I believe that you're going to provide everything that I need. Every phone call that comes in is going to be converted into a job. Every single person that I get involved with is going to be blessed because I got into their circle. I think these things, I proclaim these things, and it changes the outcome of the way I think. I am at a point now, I'm on almost 40 years old. I don't want to be around negative Nelly people anymore because I want people to think the right kind of thoughts, to do the right kind of things. And if you're negative and you're going to take me down, I don't have time to mess with you anymore because God has an assignment upon my life. God has an assignment upon your life. And the way you think will be what happens in that assignment. I'm about to start preaching. If there's anxiety in your life, Think the right kind of thoughts. And whenever you have to deal with those things, whatever type of worry that comes, uh, I don't have kids that are old. My kids are young, but I, I know what my mom, every time that she heard sirens go off there for a while, is that David? Is that Taylor? Is that, is that Josh? She just worried. You have to begin to Say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. There are things that take place. Thank you. There are things. Uh, more, more of you go. There's kids out there. Go, go. There's more of you. There's kids. Thank you. Whenever you 
have worry that comes into your life. Whenever you don't speak against what that worry is, that worry will take you down. So every time something negative comes to you, you have to speak the word of God to that situation. So what happens is my mom was sick, my grandma was sick, my great-grandma was sick, I'm going to be sick. Those thoughts come to you. And if those thoughts come to you and you don't speak the word of God back to it, you give that, those thoughts a place to have root inside of you. And once something establishes its root, it can fester and grow on the inside of you. So whenever you have thoughts that don't line up with God's word, what do you do? You find a scripture in the Bible that goes against what that thought is and you say, no, I will have long life. The generational curse is broken over my family just because my mom had it or my grandma had it does not mean I will go through the same thing. My family was broke. My aunt and uncle are broke. My grandparents have been broke. I will not be broke. You have to break the cycle by the words that come out of your mouth. And if you don't allow the cycle to be broken out of the words that come out of your mouth, whatever cycle you go through will take root into you and that will stop you from fulfilling the destiny that God has for your life. Every single person in here has a calling of God to do something great. But I assure you, because of worry, you have allowed that call of God upon your life to be hindered because you didn't think you were good enough or capable of walking in what God assigned for you. If something comes against you, you go back at it. My dad always said, um, well, he didn't say this. It was a story. He said that... Um, that's going to get me in trouble. I'm not going to say that one, Dad. That was your story. I'm going to bail off on that one. <laughs> Let's just say if someone throws a rock, go get a brick. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Some of you might know that story. Um, if, if oh, Yeah. Okay, no. I, kinda, I really want to say it, but I'm not going to. Let's just say when something comes at you, and we're going to use the devil, use demonic, use the devil. You've got to retaliate against that. You will hear a report from the doctor, and if you keep confessing what that doctor says, that report will take root. My Aunt Nancy said two weeks ago that 80% of problems in the physical body start because it came to the mind and you allowed it to fester and it began to manifest. 80% of the body's physical problems came to fruition because people, instead of choosing to believe God's word, gave life to what was negatively spoken. When mom, got, when mom found out about her uh, health issues, she didn't even tell me and my brother what was going on, the wholeness of it. She kind of told us a little bit. She said, I will not allow anything negative to come out of my mouth. Because I will not give Satan a foothold into the way I think. 80% of your health problems come from the way you think. So when worry comes, it's an emotion that you think. Worry is not something you express. It's an emotion that you think. And as you think it, if you don't counteract that emotion, what's going to happen? It's going to take root. And it will begin to grow and fester. Don't let something come out of you that is negative, that you don't answer 
with the word of God. When I put my trust in Jesus, worry cannot stand a chance to come against me. I change my thoughts, and when I change my thoughts, I change in whom I put my trust. I change my thoughts, and when I change my thoughts, I change in whom I put my trust. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com, to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.